Welcome back, Dominguez on Tech for February 28th, 2017. I'm here with Lucas Mirian from Computer World, Keith Shaw from Network World. We're here to talk about wireless charging on the iPhone, self-driving cars that are never going to be self-driving, and the gadget of the week. Special thanks to Chris, our producer, for those lovely graphics, which we're going to be doing more with over the next few weeks. So, all right, here's here's what prompts my question, Lucas. You did a story last week about self-driving cars. We've heard a lot about autonomous driving cars, you know, Tesla's doing lots of things like that. The story you had is that self-driving cars will never really be self-driving because there are all kinds of issues that come up. So explain to me or explain to the people who might really want to be in a car where they're not driving, not me, I like to drive. But everyone who's hoping that, you know, we're gonna have this minority report future where you get in the car and it just jets you off to wherever, that's not gonna happen anytime soon, so why? <laughs> yeah, it, it may eventually, but uh, I spoke to a couple of industry experts, um, an attorney, an IP attorney, and a computer science engineer from Carnegie Mellon University. And they both agreed that it's not gonna happen anytime soon because Every manufacturer is going to have their own flavor of software that's going to allow that autonomous car to drive itself. Yeah. And who's responsible if that car gets into an accident? Not to mention, how is it going to respond to every single situation that could arise on a highway, including that of uh, you know that arises from cars that aren't self-driving? Right. Pedestrians walking into the roadway, you know, infrastructure uh, that that's unknown. Uh, a tree falls into the road, things like that. Um, recently had an example of that, although Tesla has corrected the issue that allowed this to happen, uh, was not found to be at fault, but a Model S crashed into the side of a 18-wheeler. Well, that was the fatality from last year. Right, right. Yeah. right. Uh, the 18-wheeler was white. It kind of blended with the sky in the background, and the sensors, uh, the cameras didn't pick it up. But ultimately, it was the driver's responsibility because he was supposed to be paying attention. In a Model S, you're supposed to have, in fact, your hands on the wheel at all times. And Tesla has upgraded the software so that you're required to have your hands on the wheel. It will warn you, uh, I believe, a couple of times, and then it'll slowly take your vehicle off the road if you don't um, drive it to the side of the you road. Know, it's, it's interesting because the technology is clearly there for right. cars to draw or, or is rapidly getting to the point where cars could drive themselves you yeah. do have the sensors you've got i mean even you know mainstream cars now my car has like the lane keeping assistant but it's yeah. the sort of thing where if you don't have your hands on the wheel mm -hmm. it will tell you you right. know it'll shake the wheel and say put your hands on the wheel right. um well what was interesting about your story was the fact that as many um permutations of accidents and situations and incidents that you might have on the highway um, they can't really model for everything. No. So you're in your autonomous car, it's 2022, mm -hmm. uh, driving down the highway with your hands off the wheel, dozing, reading the paper, I don't know. Um, watching Netflix. Watching Mark. Netflix. Um, and <laughs> suddenly, as you say, a tree falls or somebody steps out in front of you and the car maybe hits the tree or mm -hmm. hits the person. Mm -hmm. Then the question becomes, who's responsible? You know, is it right. is it you? Because you're supposed to be theoretically, you know, in charge of this car. Is it the manufacturer of the car that, you know, built the hardware? Mm -hmm. Is it the software person who put together this software that should have seen the person or the tree or whatever and didn't? Um, and so there are all these legal ramifications that, in, and this often happens, technology is getting ahead of where we are legally. Yeah in terms of, you know, we can do all of these kind of cool things. 
um, but we're not there yet. Yeah. So that that seems to be the the, the main issue with self driving. I mean, are, are you would you be interested you know, in self driving cars? Yeah, I was at CES this year, and and we did a video with a, a bunch of different companies that were working together to talk about the network connectivity mm -hmm. uh, for all of these self driving cars, whether it's it's data for the car or broadband services for passengers in the car. And one of the companies that was there was a a, a European insurance company mm -hmm. and once the insurance companies get involved once you get you're like, insurance companies you're <laughs> like oh this is either a real thing or they're mm -hmm. gonna or they're gonna kind of prevent shut it down they're gonna shut it down mm -hmm. the insurance company were, was saying that they were trying pr to provide policies for like a rental car companies like so maybe Hertz you know gets out there and, and does a self-driving car before you start using self-driving mode something pops up on the screen that says all right here's what you need to purchase so they're you know, here's what you need to purchase for this. In trip. terms of insurance, so it's going to be per trip. It's going to be per trip coverage for insurance. Um, so I think that you're going to see self-driving cars not in the the consumer space first, but it's going to be like the likes of Uber, uh, rental car companies. Because mm -hmm. you know, last time you rented a car from either Hertz or Avis, you were offered the option of having that that little GPS unit in your car. Right. Uh, Which before, sort of before monitors cars, what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Or so can. yeah, and of course you've got all the sensors that are going to monitor everything in the car too. Um, so I was surprised to see the insurance companies getting involved this early, um, but it also indicates that there's definitely you know interest out there for. Well, interesting uh, segue from that is that the uh, UK's Department of Transport, which is basically the same as the, the United States Department of Transportation, has uh, said that they're going to issue a rule that will require two types of insurance: one for the driver of the car, and the other one for the robotics for the autonomous driving features. So. If your car, once your car is in autonomous driving mode, the insurance will cover it. So that's one way, one way they're addressing it. But as, as the IP lawyer I talked to noted, um, you are signing a contract when you purchase a car right. to be responsible for everything about that car as long as it operates as it was manufactured to, to operate. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. The interesting thing is, uh, this is where Carnegie Mellon University comes in again. They're developing software that basically makes autonomous vehicles or will make autonomous vehicles self-aware in a way because they need to know. <laughs> that sounds it's, kind it's of kind scary. Of creepy, right? <laughs> so your car will know what it should do before you know what it should do. Yeah, they need to, the cars need to know when they're operating outside of their operating parameters. Okay. So once they get into a situation where they know their software can no longer deal with the situation, whether it's something that's suddenly come into the roadway or they come to a, uh, I don't know, a five-way intersection that they're not programmed to handle, uh, they alert the driver who can then take over operation of the car again. And there's a lot of different examples. In fact, there's something, I was talking to the software engineer and at CMU, and he said there's something called a ripple effect. So imagine, if you will, there's a car ahead of your autonomous vehicle. Yeah who slows down, so you slow down, your car automatically slows down to keep from hitting it. Yep. The car behind you also slows down to keep from hitting you to the point where your car decides, well, I need to change lanes. Changes, tries to change lanes, but there's cars on either side of it. Right. So there's a ripple effect happening because you have vehicles that are autonomous and non-autonomous on the roadway. Uh, and it needs to deal with that situation, but it creates this ripple effect where it can't 
deal with it this can't situation. do anything so what does it do just cuts out and says okay i mean or in human the split take second, over human take over human take over because you can react uh you have reasoning i can't skills. switch lanes dave right <laughs> exactly and and you're not operating outside you know your operating <laughs> parameters you can reason you better get off netflix real quick right right so it's so that the other thing we're going to need with autonomous vehicles i believe at least and this is what the experts have said as well is we're going to need vehicle to vehicle communications and vehicle to infrastructure communications which is coming i mean audi this year you know has yeah. a car that will read the stoplights and let you know how long it's got you've got before exactly. the light's going to turn green right. that's just a you know a little step into that pool right. but still it's starting yeah. you need that because you need to be able to know what the cars around you are about to do or if the infrastructure has changed or if there's bad weather if there's an accident ahead your car needs to know what's coming up around the curve so not just what's happening immediately in front of it but what might be happening a mile or two miles down the road if there's been a you know a serious accident or some kind well, of infrastructure I, mean, I can certainly see how if you've got uh, you know the vehicle to vehicle um, communications, which are, are slowly rolling out, vehicle yeah. to inter infrastructure. I mean, you can see that if you're on the highway. I mean, we, we overlook a highway here in the office, and somebody's, somebody breaks, and there's this ripple effect all the way down. You right, know? right. If, if the car that's two miles down the road can see that and say, oh, wait a minute, there's a bad accident up ahead. I'm going to detour off around. There are certainly lots of ways that this technology can be useful. Yes. You know, in terms of improving traffic flow, uh, minimizing oh. accidents. Yeah. You know, just, just look at the deaths that occur every year. 32,000 people died in the United States last year from automobile accidents, and 94% of them were the fault of driver error. Right. So if you can remove that, clearly, you know, there are advances here. But, you know, to get back to the original point, and then we should move on to the, the, the iPhone wireless sure. charging thing. But to get back to the original point, self-driving, fully self-driving cars. You know, despite the promises, despite the fact that te the technology is there right. or is rapidly getting there, um, don't expect it anytime soon. Yeah, and I say that. Go out on a limb here. Yeah, I go, no, don't. Uh, the reason I'm a little hesitant is that the federal government has set down some base guidelines for autonomous vehicle testing, and then the states followed up with their own guidelines. So they created, the federal government created a floor. Okay. Got to do basics. Basic, basic things. Stuff. But there's a patchwork of regulations that are always, likely always going to exist among the 50 states that are going to make uh, automobile manufacturers consider what they should or shouldn't include for each state. So that can get that can get very. You could very well have a situation where you've got one state that says autonomous driving is fine, and as soon as you cross the state line, right. all these you know requirements or limits. So or you whatever. have to you have to consider whether or not you can. Uh, turn on autonomous driving for, let's say, I don't know, driving in densely populated areas or just on the highway. Yeah, Down, downtown Manhattan would go wrong. I think you're going to see this this evolve in the public transport space, like buses and taxis, things like that. I think you're going to see that there first before you start talking about individual car owners mm -hmm. getting a self-driving car or totally self-driving. Mm -hmm. um, like think about all the different things that you step on when you're traveling for example sometimes i don't even know if there's a human being as part of it like for example at the airport yeah when you get into one of those monorails mm -hmm. you know i'm assuming there's someone <laughs> driving there <laughs> it no. might not or, be actually or, there are a lot of you know, smart we, we've done so, some reporting on smart cities where they but, have these things that are know, automated so right. so let's let's person. assume that at, at the airport the ones that have the monorails that take you from the main terminal to wherever your gate is right let's assume that those are self automated i think they are in orlando at least in yeah okay, okay so but that 
knowing like I again I don't know this. All I know is is that I've I've traveled many many times and stepped on and stepped off and you know again because it's one way and right. you know yeah, it's, it's not like you're gonna have birds coming in or or people running or people in front running of you. in front of you. Right. So but again there's a level of trust that I was like I right, I feel like I trust this because you've mm-hmm. never heard of a monorail accident right uh, or you know yet yet but, but now consider but then the next so the next step is like well maybe I don't know or I don't realize but what if a bus pulls up and it's a route that that is a pretty safe route mm-hmm. where you're not going to have outside interference. You might start seeing self self driving, like maybe from the airport, like from one gate to the next gate, or from or from the airport out to the car rental place. Right, you know the little tram right. bus that takes you around. Right now, you still have more cars involved, but it's less than as on a major highway or city street that type, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you'll you'll basically uh, it, it'll it'll be like what's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he rips the autonomous driver out of the Total uh, Recall. Total Recall. Excellent movie. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, because <laughs> there was. An actual robot driver yes, too, yeah. with a little hat. <laughs> exactly. he, was, he was great. Where would you like to go, sir? It's, it's important for your robot driver to look like a real bus driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should pause real quick since we are Facebook living this living live on Facebook. Um, in case we have any questions, uh, producer Chris here will let us know. So if you've got any questions as we're talking about uh, autonomous driving or what's coming up next. I think we should get a shot of producer Chris. Yes, just so that producer people know Chris, that can you wave? It's not a robot. There's a real person. He looks like a real person. <laughs> we, we, yes. we actually, we do have a question, but okay. it is for the wireless charging. So okay. we'll just Hold we'll just that wait. question right, for yep. one second. We'll get into that. All right, good. So moving on. Uh, the other story that you had uh, last week, which I thought was really interesting, Lucas, there's been a lot of talk about the new iPhone. Yeah. Um, in fact, the Wall Street Journal had a story this morning about Apple outsourcing the uh, the, the screen to Samsung. Thank God. I hope it's not batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you, know, you never know. <laughs> large batteries. Large batteries. Yeah, big, big batteries. Large exploding um, batteries. And, and also, interestingly enough, uh, doing away with the lightning connector, mm. um, possibly for a USB-C type connector for the new iPhone. This is for the one that will be out in the fall. Right. But the, the, the story you had was about the fact that this analyst who has been has had a pretty good track record yeah. predicting what Excellent. Apple's gonna do with its devices is raising the real possibility of real wireless charging finally. You know, you don't have to plug it in, you just set the phone down, whatever. So so What's the possibility there? What, are, what What's the likelihood that Apple might actually make that jump this year? Yeah, it's uh, Apple typically waits a couple of years before it uh, rolls out. Because this stuff's already in the market. It's, yeah, other it's already in the Galaxy phones. It's in other lines, um, uh, other phone lines. So and you can do be... it for the iPhone if you put a, a like a case on it. Like yeah, I mean, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. but that's not, that's not that quite the same as, as having it built yeah. in. Um, so having it built in, well... You know what's the advantage? You need to think about that. And for the for for closely, uh, there are several types. Let me just real yeah, quick. Yeah, go for explain. it. No, explain. That's okay. good. So there's several types of wireless charging. First of all, you have tightly coupled. It's all magnetic resonance on sort this of like level. with the with the Apple Watch. Exactly, Boom. like the Apple Watch, you actually have to put a magnetic uh, connector t- to the back of the watch to charge it. Yep. And that's called tightly coupled. And there's loosely coupled. It's still magnetic resonance, but allows you uh, a few millimeters or centimeters to adjust your phone uh, in any in any. So you've got something on the table, whatever you, you can kind of put it down. It doesn't have to be exactly right. on the spot. It when it be- first started out, you had to be exact on how you placed it on that pad. And as analysts have pointed out, and, and I tend to agree with them, what's the advantage if you have to worry about? I mean. It's keeping you from actually plugging the phone in versus right. laying it directly. What's on a the pad. real advantage? There's no real advantage yeah. to that. Right. So, but Apple may be taking a baby step with this. Okay. You know, they're coming into the, and they'll probably have something proprietary. 
That's they, Apple. <laughs> they recently joined the Wireless Power Consortium, a very large consortium with many, many vendors who are members, hundreds of vendors uh, are members of this consortium. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take their their standard right. and apply it to the iPhone. They rarely do, right? Yeah. They'll probably use something of that, or they're using the IP in that to help To build their own, their own whatever they're going to do with the right. iPhone. Uh, what would be really cool is the third type of charging, which has not hit the market at all, and that's radio frequency charging, and that allows you freedom uh, to move around, a spatial freedom. So you walk into a room, and it starts trickle charging your device immediately. So this is radio yeah. waves, sort of like almost like Wi-Fi. It's right. just beaming through the, you know, and, and your phone is able to read these signals and somehow convert exactly. that to energy. The, there's two cool advantage. advantages to that. Not only that you can just move around, that's one advantage. The other one is your phone already has a Wi-Fi antenna in it. They just need to add one more antenna, which doesn't take up much more real estate, if any, compared to magnetic resonance charging, which requires a whole other piece of technology, which is a copper coil inside your phone to receive that charging. Okay. That takes up real estate. It's not much. It's very paper thin, but it's still real estate. Well, you know how Apple is when it comes to like size. Phone, you know, they right. really want things small, so they're going to go for something that's going to take up as little room as possible. I'm right. sure. I don't expect Apple to take that much of a leap. Then again, they're not bleeding edge technology company to begin with. Uh, so what we may see is a baby step, maybe toward that someday. And did you see the other story about Disney actually rolling out their own form of wireless? Yeah, tell me about charging. that. Is it the same sort of thing where when you're walking through the Disney park, your device will start to charge if it's got this technology built in? A little more close by. They could expand it to that eventually, but it's with, when you're within a, say, an exhibit or a uh, an, a, an actual, uh, let's say, one of the rides or whatever museum or yeah, or one of the rides. All the presidents. Yeah, all the. Pre I love that. That's my I favorite. Do I do too. <laughs> um, yeah, your your car could wirelessly charge. I mean, your uh, phone could wirelessly charge someday. Um, they've just rolled out it. Yeah, is that an experiment that they're trying? It's an experiment. It's okay. not. It's not something that's real. Really, right okay. When I was at CES, I did talk to one of the companies that was that, that you had mentioned in your article. I think it was Asia. Yeah. Or and th and their technology is called Coda, right? Yeah. C O T A. Yeah. Uh, what what they were showing off was they have ceiling tiles, yeah. and so they put their technology into the ceiling tile, and then they. Kind of like you, you see this like you, you imagine this like cone of wireless. You don't actually see anything. No, no, no. It's well, not like it's a wireless. light beams down and no, no okay. No, it's not like a. They could probably integrate it with this with this with a light bulb. So right. you would and know. then you would have you would know if you're in the zone or not. Yeah. Uh, but what was interesting? So y I imagined that there was this cone of wireless just kind of coming down, and then if you put your phone in there, it would start charging. But what they do, what they were talking about too is is they have the technology to actually determine where the phone is and then bounce the things off of walls so that the wireless doesn't go through you because I think people would be worried about all of these gonna, radio waves hitting you. That. I mean, they, they, they figure out where the human being is or where the obstacles are and then they use it's almost like the uh, MIMO technology where they bounce off radio waves to the different antennas but it was pretty impressive. I think yeah. the, the thing that I worry about most with the wireless charging is the speed of the charge. Um, you know, you plug something in and sometimes you can feel like, alright, I'm, you know, I'm down to like 35%. I want to get a quick charge, get it back up to 60%, yeah. rather than just kind of sitting there. And with wireless charging, it does doesn't it feel like it it's, takes a long it's, time? It takes, right? it takes longer than than when you're plugged in with a wire. No, have I, you ever done kind of tests around I that? I have. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't. It, it's it's about really the same speed. Same speed. Not the RF, but tightly coupled. Yeah. RF would be more of a trickle charge. Yeah. Where, uh, whereas tightly coupled magnetic resonance can charge at the same speed as, as a phone being okay. plugged in. Let's pause for a second. Chris, you said that there was a question about the uh, wireless charging for the uh, iPhone. Yeah, we got a question from 
Abby Shekumar, I do apologize if I pronounce your name wrong. Um, does wireless charging have any side effects on body parts? Not, not yet that we know no, of. No, not that we know of. No, it's able to also determine whether the metal in your phone is part of the wireless charging system so it doesn't heat up. Now, maybe if you have a knee replacement, maybe your knee would get charged. No. <laughs> well, it can deter. It, the, the first I'm kidding, Abby. I'm out, kidding. Uh, did actually you if you put a quarter or a piece of metal between the phone and the charger it would heat up okay. that was an issue at first now they've been able to bypass that so that's not an issue anymore okay so no issues that we know of in terms of the wireless charging no and you, you know what given the technology you're surrounded by radio waves and you're surrounded Correct. by radio frequency and there's energy in that and there's actually uh, efforts out there to try to capture the energy uh, from everyday radio frequency waves in order to power things in order to, to so you're not wasting that energy that's flying around you all the time right i mean it, it is interesting when you think about the uh, to get back to the larger iphone issue for a minute um apple's talking or at least there's been a lot of speculation about a variety of things when the, with with the new iphone 8 or iphone 10 right. since it's the 10th anniversary uh wireless charging is one of them the oled curved screen from samsung is another the move to a USB-C port right and there's also talk that you know there'll be like a top end phone which will have all of these features and mm -hmm. then they'll do like sort of an updated version of the current Seven, phone yeah. yeah i've also heard four digits in terms of the price of the new phone we're going over a thousand dollars whoa yeah but it's you know it's a pretty like Verizon computer. pay for that. I'll just sign a two-year contract. <laughs> right. It'll be like a three-year or four-year yeah, contract. Uh, at this point, it's going to be about a ten-year contract. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Well, that I appreciate the update on the wireless yeah. charging. It gives me an idea for what's coming. Uh, obviously, you know, stay tuned. We'll know more in the in the fall. Um, now, moving on to our fun fun segment of the day, we got the gadget guru. Hey, with a gadget. <laughs> All right. This is kind of a wireless transition yes. too. So uh, planned it that I, I have not yet posted this review on Network World, but uh, it is coming soon. This is called the D-Lite. Okay. Um, it's a cool name because, of course, then, of course, I think of that, that band from the 80s. You remember D-Lite? Yeah. Groove is in the house. I was too young for that. Oh, <laughs> stop it. You know it. You were singing a 70s song when we were uh, prepping for this. Yeah. All right. So this is a light bulb. Yeah. Right? If, yep. you, if you put it over your head, you're like, hey, yep. I have an idea. Ding. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Like Ford. Uh it's heavy. It's heavy because there is technology inside this. Now, what the idea behind this D light is? It's an LED light. Okay. So energy efficient. That's it's, ener it's supposed to be energy efficient. Um, this isn't this the one is like Uncle Fester. You hold it and it lights up in your head. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? If we did all of a sudden. It's lit we should have planned that. <laughs> Put it in your mouth. And <laughs> They'll fix that in post production, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, but so you basically regular standard socket. You put it into the, the light bulb. Now okay. the other thing that that the system includes is this adapter. So okay. this adapter goes into the wall. Goes into your it goes into your uh, your power outlet. You your don't put it on wall. a power strip. Okay. They actually say just put this under the wall. It does have a pass through. Okay. So if you have you know if you have a, a power strip that you want to plug into that it afterwards, it. it doesn't waste it. So you're not losing. You know, I would say yeah. still use the bottom part because the top part of if you put it on the top, then your your right. your bottom one is blocked. So, but then this acts as a power line adapter. So okay. are you familiar with power line networking? Talk to me. Okay, so this so this also has an Ethernet jack okay. here. And so when you connect this cable, you connect this into your router. Yeah. This basically enables all of the power line, all the power outlets within In your, your house. house to then be network enabled. Okay. So the idea is, is that you put this now in your light socket. Yeah, ding. And then power line to this adapter. Okay. And then this adapter Ethernet to the router. Okay. This one now this has Wi-Fi on it. 
So then so this you have extends Wi-Fi, your Wi-Fi in ex- addition to bring, right. bringing light. So the idea behind everything on this is, is if you've got a dead spot, say you've got an area that's that's blocked by concrete wall, some of your building materials in your house, and there's this like you know. 10 foot by 10 foot area where you get no signal with your typical Wi-Fi mm-hmm. because the wireless signal can't get through these walls or anything like that. But you do have a power outlet. You plug in a regular uh, light, a lamp, and then basically you can then radiate Wi-Fi off of that and provide Wi-Fi coverage within this desktop. Where spot. can you buy this thing? <laughs> oh, Lucas, really? do you have you an got, issue with your Wi-Fi at home? I totally do, yeah. Well, I, my, my router's on one side of my house. Right. And it just happens to be convenient because that's where it's coming in. And when I go to the other side of my house, because, you know, I own a mansion. You know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's great distance. Uh, we can't get uh, uh, Wi-Fi on our phones. So it dies at the other end of our house. And I keep thinking, oh, I've got to move the router closer. Right. But then I have to go up in the attic. Right, and, and there's, so there's, there's the other problem, options available. Like, you can yeah. get an extender. The, there's the whole Wi-Fi mesh stuff that's coming out where they have small little pockets and they all talk to each other. Uh, but this is, this is just another concept that's out there. I think it's a really cool concept, yeah. except for the fact that you now are jumping to three different kind of transmissions. Right. You know, your Wi-Fi to power line to Ethernet. And every time you do a hop, it does slow down your speed. Right. The other problem with this right now initially is, is that it, this is only operates over the 2.4 gigahertz space. I was going to ask about that. So it's that. 802.11 B, G, and... N? N, I think might be 5 it's gigs. It's not AC. It's okay. not AC. It's, okay. not, it's not A. It's not A. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not in the 5 gigahertz. Okay. If they could get a chip in there that does 5 gigahertz which you stuff, know they will. Which you know, yeah, eventually they will. Then, then, then we're talking really good speeds. So when I was connecting this, you got a 2.4, and, and, those, and, and those speeds are slower. But again, those are only slower over the LAN. Right. You know, up until your router. So if you're doing file transfers, it's right. going to be slow. Yeah. But for typical internet, you know, email, check but your email. But if you're using browsing. this in an area where you're not getting any Wi-Fi anyway, right. slow is better than nothing. Right, slow will be better than nothing. Then you'll actually be able to connect that. Now, again, I was able to still, you know, watch Netflix through this. Right. So, but again, this was also not with a, a lot of traffic too. Right. Once you have a lot of traffic in the house, then. Well, the question, we, the question I have, all right, so is the light bulb just sort of an add-on? You don't really need the light bulb to do the Wi-Fi. I mean, that's just... No, you don't necessarily need the light bulb. It's just a great way to lose a lamp. You know, you, I think what's when, that? Don't want to lose the lamp. I, well, I, want, my, I, turned, I want my lamp to be wired. I think when I turned the, the switch off, yeah. the Wi-Fi stopped. But then they have an app that can... So, again, you can take the phone app and connect to the, the light, and then it, it, it you know has like this dimmer... You know, this almost makes it like one of those Phillips Hughes yeah, lights. Right. Do you have to do the whole power line? Plug yeah, this unf- in and it's, yeah it's, it's unfortunately, the whole you, do you can't s- just plug this into a socket and get Wi-Fi extended. Now, now that would be interesting to see if you could plug it in and then tell the Wi-Fi to go to an existing router. But then right. that wouldn't solve your dead spot right. issue. This is really aimed at kind of the dead spot. And I've and I've, heard, I've seen some other companies that have taken this concept, and they're going to have little things that you plug into just outlets, and then all of a sudden you'll have Wi-Fi coverage in those areas. I, I think this is, I mean, not this in particular, yeah. but boy, it, it's The whole concept of being able to extend. It, yeah. Yeah. I love the concept. In execution, they have a few a few bugs and a few well, problems. Well, is, is this like this Gen is, 1? This is probably the first generation, and yeah. this is a, a company based out of Singapore, so there's some language translation issues with the app, and there's some typos in the user guide and things like that that they haven't quite gotten it yet. Um, but once they do, if they make that next generation, or if you see other companies come out with stuff like this, mm-hmm. um, and again, power line networking, you're also then reliant on the age of your house and how much the power lines are good or, or bad within your own house. Yeah. How enlightening. Oh, I've been boy. waiting for that for about you five have. minutes. How enlightening, yes. That's you great. brought light to us. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to presume no questions on the D-Light light. So uh, 
Uh, I think we're going to leave it right delightful. there. Delightful. It, it is delightful. It, it's <laughs> lovely. Um, Lucas, thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. Keith, thanks for showing up. As always, Ken. As usual, that's a wrap. <laughs>